Hi everyone, Brian Rubinow here. Uh, no new episode this week. I'm re-releasing episode 9 because it kind of got buried under everything else that was going on in the world last week, so I didn't feel right promoting it. And I'm running behind on editing episode 10, so instead I wanted to re-release this episode with a proper promotional push and because I believe it's a good episode and deserves to be heard. Um, I also wanted to take this opportunity to say, unequivocally, Black Lives Matter. I fully stand behind and support those who have taken to the streets in peaceful protest, even at the risk to their own health and safety, to seek justice for those whose lives were cut short by a racist, white supremacist system, including Oscar Grant, Trayvon Martin, Tamir Rice, Kendra James, Sean Bell, Eric Garner, Michael Brown, Alton Sterling, Laquan McDonald, Freddie Gray, Walter Scott, Philando Castile, Sandra Bland, Ahmaud Arbery, George Floyd, Sean Reed, Breonna Taylor, Tony McDade, and so many others. As I record this message, we're already seeing the positive changes from these protests begin to uh, take shape in the world. So if you want to help out, I'll put donation links in the description of this episode. And now here's my dumb podcast about a show that ended 25 years ago. Episode 10 next week. Thanks. Bye. Hello, welcome to the latest episode of It Stinks, the Critic Podcast. Uh, We've got a great one for you today. We are looking at Season 1, Episode 9, LAJ. And joining me to talk about this episode is uh, LA's uh, best awkward comedian. It's Eve Esquire. Eve, hello. Hello, I'm not a lawyer. (laughs) That's right, you you are not. Um, No. But yeah, to make thanks. that very clear. Yeah. <laughs> and also, you know what? Anybody can be Esquire. This is this is one of the reasons I t- took on this name is because you see a lot of lawyers with the three little letters ESQ means nothing. That's right. It's just a title that, uh, yeah, anyone can give themselves. It means a landowner in England. We did it uh, during the Revolutionary War to piss people in England off. So I guess that grudge took hold. Huh. I, I never knew that. I never knew the, the actual origin of the term Esquire. Yeah, because uh, in England, they're all squires, if that's a landowner. <laughs> so for an American attorney in the 1700s to say, I'm a landowner in Europe or in England specifically, it's a deep, deep cut. That's a deep dig. Wow. Yeah, I could imagine like in the uh, 17 or 1800s, that would piss some people off probably. My word. <laughs> Uh, cool. So, um, so yeah, you let me know that you were a, a big, uh, fan of, of this show, right? Oh, huge, huge. The critic was so, well, because like people forget that like John Lovitz was incredibly funny. Like this is like hot off oh, of yeah. him coming off of Saturday Night Live where he did amazing work. And this is before he ruined news radio. <laughs> I never really watched news radio. I, I don't Through think I no even knew Through no fault he was of his it. own. I mean, he's covering for Phil Hartman, who, again, was also just. Oh. Yeah. It was a good show. Great show. Stephen Root. Right. And was Dave Foley was on it, right? Dave. Yeah. 
and yeah. uh, and I, I remember Joe Rogan was on it. Yeah, that's how Joe Rogan got to start. Yeah. Uh, so it has many and Andy Dick. So it has many things to apologize for. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, without news radio, we wouldn't have uh, the Joe Rogan experience or haunted encounters with Andy Dick. Oh, yeah, that's um, I mean, we're going to talk a lot about L.A. culture because that's kind of what this episode of the mm. show is about. But uh, for people outside of L.A., you may not know that uh, something that everyone in L.A. has is an Andy Dick story. Or three. Or three. Yeah, I yeah, I definitely have multiple. I know the last one. Uh, my last one uh, ended in homicide. So, oh, my God. Yeah, I was at the uh, Walgreens on Hollywood and Vine. And there was like a skirmish between like one of the workers there and a customer who was shoplifting. And Andy Dick was there yelling with his female companion. Then I left and then I drove back by again. The place was surrounded by ambulances and cop cars. It turns out homicide. <laughs> oh, man. Jesus. Yeah. Uh, well, I guess, though, I don't think Andy Dick was probably involved in that homicide. He was just sort of nope. there. But he was at the Walgreens during the time. Yeah. All right, I guess it's my turn to tell an Andy Dick story. Um, <laughs> I was at uh, just a, a random comedy show in Hollywood that, uh, for whatever reason, Andy Dick was hosting. Mm. And um, one of the acts, I think it was like a musical act, so they required uh, some setup, so to cover for the setup time. Vamp. Yeah, well, Andy's, um, uh, his idea of vamping was... He just said to the audience, like, someone yell out the name of a bar and I'll tell you why I got banned from there. <laughs> and uh, I yelled out I.O. West. Oh, <laughs> shit. Yeah. Yeah. So I I got one over on Andy Dick. That's my story. Yeah. The black box there used to be called the Dick Box. Oh, uh, yeah. So not only did he get kicked out, he had a room named after him renamed. <laughs> I feel kind of proud that even though I, I started my um, comedy uh, quote unquote career at iOS and I was there for years, I was on several different teams there, never once stepped foot in the black box theater. So that place will really? now remain forever a mystery to me. Yeah. As it should be. It was terrible. I was on a sketch team in there for a year. Uh yeah, you haven't lived until you have two feet of space to change with oh, everybody man. else. <laughs> it, it was not good. Yeah, but yeah, I performed on um, the main stage a few times, uh, mostly in the Del Close Theater, mm. a few times in Studio Two. Mm -hmm. uh, never, never made it to the, the black box, though. I missed the loft. That, that to me was one of the better spaces. It was so intimate. Oh, wait, is that a different place than the Andy Dick Theater? Yeah, yeah, the the black box is just in the, is that space in the back. The lock was upstairs. Oh, I see. Okay. Oh. So now you're bragging that you never performed in the loft? Whoops. Brian, <laughs> oh, you're missing out. There's couches. It's Makeout City in there because, you know, nothing makes people want to make out more than, than a Herald. <laughs> yeah, um... You know, I, I think there's uh, probably no one hornier than the male improv comedian. That, that may be true. That, that may be true. If we could harness that power, we could uh, solve the energy crisis. <laughs> <laughs> um, OK, so enough, I think 
that's uh, maybe an, enough uh, insider LA uh, mm. uh, gossip for for now. Let's uh, let's get into this episode. That's an appetizer. Yeah. <laughs> um, so let's get into this episode. L.A.J. Uh, I'll just give the uh, synopsis here. Mm-hmm. In the wake of the positive response to a screenplay he's written, Jay takes a sabbatical from his show and joins Jeremy in Hollywood, where studio boss Gary Grossman agrees to buy it on the spot. Yeah. So I I talked with um so I I guested on Brandon Beck and Beth Scorzato's podcast. Uh, I think you'd be into it. Where I talked about mm. the critic, and I, I believe it's Beth brought up that uh, she thinks part of the reason this show maybe didn't make it past the second season was because it it kind of has a just a a neglect or a disdain for the common man. Meaning it's either about New York intellectuals or LA phonies and yeah. this episode definitely it gives you both of those uh in full force I mean you start out with the bitterest of New York people and just saying it's just something in, in the water or something and then like I watched the LA part I'm like oh shit this is this is still relevant <laughs> oh yeah definitely and and uh they do it in this episode and it it, it pops up in a few other episodes where they just they just openly mock like people who live anywhere other than L.A. or New York. Oh, like yes. anyone who lives in the Midwest or the South. But that's also accurate. I, I come from you. You grew up here. I did. I grew up in Idaho, which is just it's a big it's one of the largest rural states. It's just it's like one of the top 10 biggest states. One point five million people throughout all of it. Mm. I mean, there's not even 1.5 million people in a three block radius here. I mean, it's it's more than that. Right, right. But um, that's how it is. I it truly is like little, and they think they sure do think there's something. They yeah. think they're a big <laughs> do. That's not from the critic. That's just from my hometown. But yeah, the farmer shooting at the plane. Yeah, farmer shooting at the plane, and um, there's another episode. I think it's the one after this where there's a like a redneck buffet where Duke orders lunch and it's like, you know, collard greens and, you know, all these like countrified favorites uh, presented by like an actual like redneck. Um, so, yeah, the this show. I'm going to be interested in looking into that buffet to see the accuracy. Oh, yeah, that, that's sure. this is this is like this is what I focus on. This is my particular like artistically oh i need to find out because if there's no gravy and if it's not white then this is wrong (laughs) yeah i mean i think it's got everything except the the chocolate wonderfall that you would get at golden corral oh oh man last time i was at golden corral i had a i had like a gallbladder blowout of like just being sick like it's like a food (laughs) hangover and it's not good not good um, yeah, I've still never been to a Golden Corral. Make it make it stay that way. There is one in Burbank. Do not investigate. Oh, okay, yeah. Burbank has all the chain restaurants. Do not investigate. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I've been to like a hometown buffet because um, mm. I used to uh, live near one. And so that that was enough for me, I think. Yeah. Yeah, my family, whenever we went to the city, Boise, which is like 30 miles north of our little podunk in town, I was like, we got to go to a buffet. And it was just always a buffet. I'm like, I want to sit down. I want people to bring me my food. I don't want to go up shovel shit into my face all the time. (laughs) But I will take advantage of that dessert bar because I like making my own sundae. 
Oh, the dessert bar is the best, always. Um, all right. So as this episode opens, uh, we're we're on an episode of Jay's show where he's reviewing Al Pacino in Scent of a Jackass. <laughs> Hoo-ha! Charlie, you pimply little preppy. I'm going to kill myself. Good. I mean it, you MTV watching mama's boy. I'm going to pull the trigger. Fine, if it'll shut you up. You're going to miss my hoo-ha, my tangoing, my blind driving, my hoo-ha. You said that already. Say it a lot. Hoo-ha! Which is basically just an excuse for probably Maurice LaMarche doing Al Pacino, just to say hoo-ha a lot. Well, that's what we did back then, in 92, I believe. Yeah, when Scent of a Woman came out. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) No, but what I find hysterical, you've had Frankie Griffin on here, right? Yes. Yeah, Frankie Griffin is pretty much Jay Sherman, I realized, because uh, Jay Sherman's like... Who hate you know he talks about like repeating the same catchphrase over and over again. And if yeah. you know Frankie, he loves to say Hachi Machi, which is exactly what Jay says. I'm like, ah oh, shit. <laughs> All right. I, I have not hung out with Frankie enough. I've not heard him say that. I don't I, think. they look alike. I'm just saying bit, put a yeah. put a sweater vest on that man. We're gonna <laughs> we're gonna have a we're gonna have we're gonna have critic the live action movie. And I mean, I'm sure I'm not the first person to point out that his last name is Griffin and he also kind of looks like Peter Griffin. He does. He does. I say that with love. What like? <laughs> and he could, Frankie's a great person. Also, I mentioned this because I keep working on this idea of a Bob Fosse directed Mary Poppins. Ooh. Yeah, and I wanted the frame to be the critic, and I'm like, Frankie would be so good at it. (laughs) And now I just like today, it's divine intervention. So whenever we're allowed to perform again, uh, hopefully be on the lookout for that. Uh, Yeah, so I I should mention Eve is also on Night Church with Frankie, so. Oh, yeah, that's, hey, it's all incestuous over here. (laughs) Yeah, I think you're you're technically the third Night Church person I've had on, because I also had Ethan on here. Yeah, and he was like, oh, how come you haven't done the podcast yet? I'm like, I guess I haven't asked. I need a minute before I know who I am. And that is a huge critic fan. That's right. I did not know that you were a huge critic fan, but I knew you certainly before this. Um, But yeah, that's been the cool thing about doing this podcast was I thought I would have to like reach (laughs) out to people and be like, here, you can borrow my DVDs because you've probably never seen this before. But but no, I found tons of people that uh, remember and love this show, which has been really cool. Oh, yeah. I watched it when it first aired, like when it was actually on. It was on mm-hmm. ABC, I believe, right? Uh, the first season was on ABC. Second yeah. season, they switched to Fox. Right. So they can take it. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it also re-aired like on Comedy Central right after The Tick for a while and towards right. the late 90s, which was a great hour of programming. Yeah. Replaced by Juana Man seven times a day. Oh, God. So, so that would have been, uh, what, like early 2000s? Yeah. It was like, um, yeah, I was still in Iowa at the time. So it would have been around like 99, 2000. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I also remember watching this, um, when it was originally on, uh, ABC and Fox Mm -hmm. and like, yeah, I always remembered it, always loved it. So yeah, I was thrilled when it was on DVD because when when that happened, that was like the only way to watch it again. This was before, yeah. you know, Netflix and Hulu and all that stuff. Or really lax YouTube videos. Right. 
Yes, uh, you can find The Critic on YouTube. Fans have uploaded entire episodes, but, you know, who knows how long before those get taken down. But luckily it is on Crackle, which is owned by mm. Sony, which also produced The Critic. So it's it's probably there to stay safely. So Very nice. Yeah. Uh, but, of course, also, you know, owning the DVDs is great because then you have a physical copy, so... Oh, the quality must be way better. Uh, I did watch it on YouTube. It was a tiny mm. square. That is, yeah. It's the kind of square is like, if I expand this, this will just look like a Monet. Right. Yeah, the um, encoding is uh, not the best on YouTube. No. But uh, getting back to this episode, uh, sure, immediately yeah. relatable to probably to people who would not shoot at a plane flying from New York to Hollywood. <laughs> uh, people don't understand when, when you ask would you read my screenplay? Mm-hmm. Nobody will read your screenplay. No, no, not unless you're like, oh, will you critique my screenplay? And then it's like, all right, gotta get my <laughs> sassy pants on. I'm gonna tell you how to write. But like, if you're like, can you, can you read my screenplay and tell me if it's good or not? And then you have to do this. Like, I didn't not not like it. Yeah. Or I I think people treat the 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 request of will you read my screenplay? That's along the lines of like. You know, can I bitch to you about my terrible life for an hour? Mm, and it's you like, gotta well, wrap that, you got to wrap that. Yeah. But it's like, well, you know, you're my friend. So I guess like it would be bad if I said no. But still, like, come yeah. on, man. And also, let's just face it. Most screenplays are about your terrible life. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And like, I know the joke's been made a lot right now, but it's like, after we get out of quarantine, you just know that almost every single script is going to be like, I was a guy and I fell in love with a girl in quarantine and then she rejected me. Will you read my script? No. Yeah. Uh, no. So many Zoom romances. Uh, oh my God. <laughs> All the movies are going to be done via Zoom because we lived it. Oh, there was, I just saw today, um, uh, God, what network was it? I think it was Fox actually is about to start airing a Zoom TV show uh, where celebrities will. What? Gingy Cohen's. Oh, I don't know. Uh, she's coming up with one as well. Oh, geez. So it's already happening. We, we, we don't it's, have to wait yeah. to get out of quarantine. It's happening now. And yeah. I think that's because. Like you watch TV shows now, it's like it's kind of like after nine eleven when you see people like running through the airport to the gate. You're like, nah, that would never happen now. <laughs> nope. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, yeah, the world's going to be just permanently different after this. Great. Like, anytime we uh, see gatherings of more than two people, mm-hmm. we'll think it's a little strange. It's a little close, right? It's been yeah. a little close. It's like, ooh, they're shaking hands. Ugh. Yeah. So anyway, so yes, uh, in this episode, Jay has written a screenplay. Uh, he first tells Doris about it when she's uh, doing his hair. Um, and she painted her phone number on the back of Jay's head. For free advertisement and artistic expression, I applaud her. Yeah, Class- classic Doris. So we then move to Jay's home where he's uh, just watching TV or he's like, He's immediately bummed because no one called him about his screenplay. Relatable. Def- definitely relatable. So uh, he's just watching TV. We get this funny little news broadcast. On the lighter side, NYU scientists have discovered a virus in the local drinking water responsible for New Yorkers' antisocial behavior. There is no cure, so get out of my face, you stinking leeches. 
Hey, I got your cure right here. Uh, but then actually Margot, Jay's sister, visits, saying she read the script and loved it. Uh, then Jay, we get like this parade of Jay's friends who also loved it. I loved this gag. Barney the Butcher. It had aunt. Jasmine Joe. It had soul. Hasidic Harry. It could have been worse. Proving that no one cares about a woman's perspective on your screenplay. Aww. It's true. It's like, oh my God, that guy who I barely know. <laughs> Excuse me, sister. Yeah, we get Barney the Butcher, Jasmine Joe, possibly problematic, and Hasidic Harry, who all weigh in on it with, uh, well, they all liked it, basically. Well, considering John Lovitz famously played Hanukkah Harry on Sunday Night Live, I think we can get away with Hasidic Harry. Oh, okay. I don't, maybe I never saw those episodes. Oh, you have got to look up Hanukkah Harry. It is a classic. All right, I'll have to do that. What's the, can you, like, is, other than just being a broad Jewish stereotype, is there a game to that character? There is. Uh, Santa falls sick and he can't deliver toys to all the boys and girls in the world, so he calls upon his friend Hanukkah Harry. And then Hanukkah Harry, actually it probably is a big stereotype joke because he just gives out really <laughs> shitty gifts. <laughs> but it teaches, like, then Santa gets better and it's like, it's all about the spirit of Christmas. And then everybody gets along. It's like, a, it's framed as a very bad Christmas movie that I would mm. absolutely watch. <laughs> okay. Hallmark right. wouldn't take it because there's no romance. Sure. Okay. Uh, but no, that sounds great. I'll, I'll, have to, I'll have to find that. Cool. So after we get this parade of little one-off characters, Jeremy Hawk drops by saying, well, not he loved the script, but the people he pays to read scripts loved mm -hmm. it. And he invites Jay to come to Hollywood, I guess, to... Uh, you know, to pitch it around to studios and whatnot, which I that is probably what brings a lot of people to, to Hollywood in real life. Yeah, accurate. Unless you know somebody, you're not going to get shit done here. Yeah, pretty much. I've been here for 20 years. Have you seen my name on anything? No. You know why? I don't know anybody. Yeah. That's... Actually, it's sadder because now I do know people and it's like, nope, I'm definitely never going to get in. No. <laughs> Well, are you, uh, um, I mean, I know you as a performer, are, do you mm -hmm. also like write, uh, scripts and stuff? Yeah, I, I actually uh, wrote a play uh, about a year ago that I put on and, uh, enthusiastic response through the roof. My boyfriend's family still hasn't seen it mm. despite it being shot by you. Oh, okay. You so this it. is, so this is the oh play. Oh my God, you're okay. you've seen this. Yes. I, I know this play well. Yes, and you beautifully shot it. It looks so good. And um, and then, unfortunately, my mother died soon after, so I haven't really been oh. able to do much with it because it's about me and my mom. So you can imagine just, you know, it's like, oh, I, now it's not the time to write my King Lear. My mom just died. Mm. No. It's like, oh, now I'm in quarantine. You know what? Still not time. Still not time. It just, things got in the way, but I, I consider myself to be a writer first. Okay, awesome. And and yeah, that the Dorkid is the name of the play you wrote, and uh, yeah, I thought it was uh, really awesome. I could totally see that like being adapted into a, a TV show or a, I don't know, short yeah. film. Uh, yeah, long form. Uh, I wanted to do uh, like a little uh, theater series. Right. That did not go through, and I'm like, fuck! If I can't even get this passed through a black box theater, mm. I am in for an uphill climb. Yeah. 
And yet there there was a a show there that was just like a new play every month. Yeah, I'm not going to talk about that. Okay. Yeah. I think let's... I saw that and I was like, motherfucker. <laughs> I think fucker. Now, and I, I think now we're getting maybe a little too inside. <laughs> Probably. Uh, but if you want to go, go to YouTube and uh, type in D-O-R-K-I-D, Dorkid, and Eve Esquire if you want to see this play that was beautifully filmed by Ryan Rubino, the host of It Stinks, the critic podcast that you're listening to right now. Back to uh, you, Brian. I will wholeheartedly uh, uh, co-sign that plug. <laughs> uh, cool. So so Jay and Jeremy uh, fly to uh, uh, to Hollywood. Mm-hmm. And along the way, that's yeah, that's where we get this scene with the farmer and his kid. Look, Paul, the 925 to Hollywood. Yep. Those are the folks who fill our lives with blockbuster movies, moronic situation comedies, award shows where award shows win awards. Get my gun, boy. The farmer starts off sounding like, you know, wistful or or reverent, like he, you know, he loves Hollywood. But then he says he gets into this line that uh, is on a I've heard it somewhere else where he says basically award shows give awards to other (laughs) award shows. Yes. Which was that also on The Simpsons or probably I've definitely heard that somewhere else. I feel that's a crossover or possibly on Schitt's Creek. I don't know. Okay. well, I have not seen Schitt's Creek yet, so it definitely wasn't that. But I definitely Simpsons then. Okay, and I've definitely been told I should watch Schitt's Creek, which I intend to. Oh, yeah, it's heartwarming gold. Cool. And I do love Eugene Levy and Catherine mm-hmm. O'Hara. Mm-hmm. Everything I've seen them in has been awesome. You know, all the Christopher Guest movies and whatnot. Oh, yeah. I was a big SCTV fan when I was a little girl. So I, oh, okay. I just grew up with watching them. I steal a lot from Catherine O'Hara, especially from Preteen World. I mean, why not steal from the best, right? Exactly. Especially the best where nobody's seen anything, apparently. Yeah, uh, admittedly, I have seen very little SCTV. Mm. I just know that that's where Spinal Tap originated. That's where the the Canadian characters, the Rick Moranis and uh, Dave Thomas. Oh, yeah, uh, the Up North character. Boys. Yeah, Strange Brew was the Strange movie Brew. they made out of that. Yeah, yeah, and, uh, uh, and Grimly as well. Oh, is that Fernwood Tonight? Nope, that's from Mary Hartman. Mary Hartman was Fernwood oh. Tonight. Ed Grimly was Martin Short as the man boy character. He had his own animated series. Oh, I probably haven't seen that series. No one did for a season. (laughs) That's as long as it lasted. But then again, I mean, NBC really, it's like, oh, SCTV is pretty public. Why don't we make Martin Short into an animated series and also give John Candy his own animated series? We're going to make it last a season. (laughs) Money to burn. Oh, that that was kind of a, a trend for a while was like celebrities getting their own animated series with where Pryor's play starring Richard Pryor. Oh, wow. Okay. I have not seen that. Yeah. But I was thinking of like, I remember Louis Anderson had, uh, life with Louis. Yeah. Um, Rosie, Roseanne had one too with her and Tom Arnold. Oh my God. It was bad. I vaguely remember that. I also remember Bobby's world with, uh, Howie Mandel. That was actually good. It was good. And I guess not strictly autobiographical, but uh, but no, that was a fun series. Wow. We got kind of (laughs) (laughs) tangent. Yeah. Um, But no, those are some of my favorite parts of of uh, doing this show. But let's get back to the show at hand. Mm -hmm. So I guess so they make it to L.A. They go directly to 
Or actually, well, we get this fun little gag where the uh, when they land at, I guess, LAX, they land at the valet runway. Three dollars for valet. Yeah, not bad. That's pretty good. I, yeah. I would do that. Also, the first, I guess, kind of uh, a knock at, at L.A. culture mm-hmm. that, uh, yeah, valet parking everywhere. Yeah, L.A., big on car culture and yeah, celebrities who can't be bothered to park their own cars. Mm-hmm. And also, in case you ever want to travel to L.A., uh, go to Burbank. Yes, fly definitely. Fly Burbank Airport. Definitely fly into Burbank if you can. It's a charming air chalet. Also, just like a much smaller airport, much smaller or much quicker to get through. It's two not gates. just like, yeah. Just two gates. And they're efficient. They're nice. And there's a Guy Fieri restaurant there now. Oh, okay. I've not yeah. been there since that opened. I Last time I was there to fly from my mother's funeral, it was like opening soon. Oh. I'm like, well, <laughs> why couldn't she die later? Oh. No, that's a bad joke. It's a bad joke. But yeah, LAX, for as big as it is and as many people are constantly going through there, it is so poorly run and organized and built. It's just incredible that it's even functional. It's pretty much like um, if you want to know what LA is like, here you are, which they do a great job. (laughs) It looks like, all right, here we go. Zoom straight into dead standstill traffic. Oh, yeah. I've... um like the last time I was there was they had opened like that special area now where you mm-hmm. have to go to get an, an Uber or a taxi or whatever. You can't just do it at any terminal. You have to go to that one specific area. And yeah. it's like, yeah, it just adds you have to because you have to get there, first of mm-hmm. all, which is not mm-hmm. easy. And uh, well, it's just awful. Everything about LAX is just awful. There, there's no like, oh, I get to go to LAX. There, there's no good things because, you know, your plane's going to be delayed it's just it's like shit sandwich after shit sandwich after shit sandwich yeah no one ever looks forward to going there no <laughs> that's why it's like oh can anybody give me a ride to the airport uh what bag of gold will you give me in return yeah exactly that's the it's 5 a.m on a, <laughs> on, a yeah. on a monday morning please it's no. it's you know completely removed from anywhere you normally go because it's like at the very southern tip of L.A. Yeah. It's near Inglewood. Yeah. Inglewood and like El Segundo. Mm-hmm. Places people really don't go. Nope. <laughs> Although I did, I did once, uh, I used to, I lived in El Segundo briefly. Mm. Uh, nice area, you know. Um, but uh, yeah, there's nothing there. No, I used to live in an apartment uh very close to the airport in Westchester, which is the city that's immediately next there. But nobody cares. You hear Westchester like, oh, X-Men. No, not X-Men. Uh, what it is, is <laughs> no, not, not Westchester, New York. <laughs> Think the complete opposite. Um, yeah. yeah, that's three years of not getting a good night's sleep. Oh, uh, yeah. I, I went to uh, Loyola Marymount, which is in Westchester. So yes. I am a bit familiar with that area. There you go. Yeah. So luckily, Jay uh, and Jeremy do not spend much time at uh, LAX. They get nope. pretty Gotta quickly. Get poolside. Yeah. <laughs> well, actually, before they get poolside, they go to uh, they go directly to um, what is it? Quality Pictures Studios, yeah. which, again, I guess if you know L.A., you can kind of recognize Quality Pictures is based on Paramount Studios. It has that yeah. same sort of look. Like you would recognize those gates anywhere. Yeah. And then they go to uh, 
except for I will say this. Um, I watched uh, Angel the the uh, offshoot of Buffy for a long time, looking at Wolfram <laughs> and Hart. I lived in Studio City. I did not realize that was Sony Pictures. They keep showing the front of this law firm. They saying it's Wolfram oh. and Hart and Sony Pictures. Wow. <laughs> also live near Nakatomi Towers from Die Hard. Did not oh, yeah. realize it. Did not realize it. Hell yeah. Century City, baby. <laughs> Actually, and yeah, my very first Hollywood job was uh, at Paramount Studios. This mm. was in like 2004 before I even knew I wanted to work in Hollywood. I just mm. needed a job. And I was a uh, transcriber for the Dr. Phil show. Oh, shit. <laughs> yeah, it uh, it was not fun. Wow. We were in a we were in a basement in the May West building. Makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> Just chains optional. Uh, yes, chains optional. Uh, we all just sat at a computer with like a, a VCR with a tape and the tape had an interview. And so we would have to manually like rewind wow. and play as we transcribed it. And uh, yeah, it sucked. Damn. I, I, God I feel bless good that you, I'm Brian. not doing that anymore. Oh, yes. Thank you. I mean, you know, without me, we couldn't have had the Dr. Phil show. So, yeah, you're the reason Dr. Phil exists. Thanks, Brian. Thanks. Yeah. And now Dr. Phil is, uh, you know, urging people to kill themselves to end the quarantine. Well, where's where's Dr. Phil's tribute? He should sacrifice himself. I, I'm pretty sure his death would bring about a great deal of equilibrium of karma. Oh, yes, there would be much rejoicing. Not a real doctor. No, I don't think he is. Like, he's no. not even like a real uh, psychologist or psychiatrist or whatever he pretends to be. But I guess if Oprah says you're a doctor, you have to be a doctor. Uh, well, we got him and Dr. Oz, thanks yeah. to her. So, oh, man. So Jay and Jeremy make it to the office of Gary Grossman, the head of Quality Pictures. Mm-hmm. Gary Grossman, voiced by Billy Crystal, who I thought big did stars. a great job. Yes, big stars. very big star. Jay Sherman, Ooh, one of the most revered film critics in America. I'd like to wring your pudgy neck. Your bad reviews have cost my Japanese masters over one billion yen. And I think this is actually like maybe one of the only episodes where the celebrity guest is like playing a character for the whole thing. Well, they didn't get to have the Simpsons run where like they got to do that with so many other characters where they didn't have to play themselves. Yeah, like usually when a celebrity shows up, they're doing themselves on this like show. Like Rod Steiger on this show. <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah. When Just, Jay... Oh, sorry. Sorry. Yeah. I didn't mean to spoil the episode for the Rod <laughs> Steiger fans who were not prepared for it, but he does make a cameo in this show. Yeah. When Jay and Marty are driving around and uh, uh, Marty wants to get a, a map of the stars and Jay's like, oh, the stars don't want to be bothered. <laughs> well, Rod Steiger apparently uh, does. Yeah. Hey, Dad, let's get a map to the movie stars' homes. Oh, son, movie stars don't want to be pestered by tourists. Come in, come in. You want some cookies? I've been baking all day. Um, yeah, which is awesome. Rod Steiger, who admittedly I don't really know what he's from. I, I don't either. I don't either. But, you know, if the critic says he's a famous actor, I'll... That's good enough for me. Like, I, rec- I recognize the name enough. I'm like, yeah. that is definitely somebody. For sure. So uh, Jay meets with Gary Grossman. Um, and then uh, initially, Gary, you know, says he 
hates Jay because he cost his Japanese masters over 1 billion yen because of his reviews, <laughs> uh, which is awesome. Um, <laughs> a lot of digs at like, yeah, the, the Hollywood studio system where like, you know, they're so focused on money, whether that's through foreign investors or through product placement, all this stuff. And after being here for so long, I'm so glad I can finally get these jokes. Oh. Whereas when I was like 12 and I at home, like, all right. Yeah, this is this is kind of humor aimed at people who read variety, I guess. <laughs> Which everybody in Missouri does. Sure. Everybody. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, that's sort of what we were talking about at the beginning of the show where it's like, mm-hmm. you know, most people just they just like going to the movies and being entertained. They're not thinking about like, oh, what product placement had to happen to, to fund this film or anything like that. Like they don't care. Which now it's hysterical to me, but I don't yeah. know. But yeah. the product placement comes later in the episode, too. Yeah. So Gary reads Jay's script, or at least he flips through it really briefly and then says he loves it. And then he also does, this is another extremely inside Hollywood thing. He does what sometimes happens. He buys the script just to ensure that it can never be made. What are you doing with my script? I'm putting it with the others that were also too good. Look at this. A lesbian love story, the biography of some clown named Galileo, Revenge of the Nerds 4. What are you doing here, you beautiful thing, when you could be making me a mint? Hey, fellas, start shooting. Hooray! Uh, which I've definitely heard of that happening. Yeah, Madeline Stowe famously has a be- great script that um, Madeline Stowe from Revenge and uh, uh, Buffalo Girls or something okay. like that. Um, and she wouldn't sell it to anybody because she wanted to star in it and nobody would let her. But apparently it was an amazing script. Wow. Yeah. And I know that's what Disney did to uh, uh, George Lucas when uh, they bought Star Wars. Like mm. Lucas had episode seven, eight and nine like mapped out and they were like, uh, thanks, but no thanks, George. We'll take it from here. And that had mixed results. The, yeah. It averaged a six. Sorry. Uh, I don't want to like if we start talking about Star Wars, this episode will be eight <laughs> hours long. But uh, I think the lesson to take away from there is that you know even a mega billionaire like george lucas still sometimes hears the word no Mm. like there is always always someone above you that's right yeah uh so the script that jay wrote is literally shelved never seen or heard from again um but gary decides to hire jay to write ghost chasers three That is some licensing ducking. Yes. The copyright safe version of Ghostbusters. The off brand. Yes. (laughs) It's like when you go to the store, it's like, oh, these they they have LaCroix in cans here. Right. (laughs) And also, like, Jay says he hated the first two Ghost Chasers. And it's like you hate the first Ghost Chasers. That one was good. Yeah. I'm assuming. (laughs) Yeah, if if we're doing a one-to-one comparison with Ghostbusters, yeah, the first one should be a classic. And I actually like the second one. I know a lot I of people to, don't, but... That opening is solid. Oh, yeah. When's the end of the world? Um, and for the longest time, I thought Peter McNichol actually talked like that because that was the right? only thing I'd seen him in. He's so good. <laughs> I mean, we were too, too, too young to see Sophie's Choice properly, so... Oh, yeah. 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 Is he in that? 
Yes. Okay. He plays a guy named Stingo. Oh, is he a Nazi? I don't think Peter McNichol's going to get cast as a Nazi anytime uh, soon. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So uh, Jay is originally he's hesitant to write Ghost Chasers three because he's like, you know, it goes against his principles and whatnot. He's just being typical Jay. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So this is when they are sun tanning by the pool, which is, you know, as, as uh, Angelino's, knows, we, we do that all the time. Right. That's Anybody, anytime you say, oh, I got a pool at my place, like, oh, pool, 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 oh, yeah. pool. Uh, that does happen, not to me, because I don't like shitty shared pools. Ah, okay. Yeah, I, 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 I it's like, I grew up in a community pool. It's not that exciting to me. I like private pools. Sure. I'm a pool snob. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, but I will say, I love the uh, newspaper on top of Jeremy's chest. This is Conan replaced by a giant chicken, which... Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's a joke that works on two levels. One, it can work as in Conan the Barbarian, or more likely Conan O'Brien, who just got a show at the time mm-hmm. and was a former Simpsons writer. So like, fuck you, Conan. Oh, yeah. Please, <laughs> yeah. Big fucking chicken. Oh, man. I should ask you if I can swear on this before oh. I've already sworn up the storm. Oh, fuck yeah. Go ahead. Fuck yeah. All right, continue. <laughs> So, so yeah, Jeremy is basically trying to talk Jay into doing it. And he mentions like, like, you know, getting to write a sequel is like his opportunity to get creative. And he mentions when he made Gandhi 2, they let him do his Kirk Douglas impression. The fast is over. Now I'm going to fill your bellies with lead. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Which that just looks like. Michael Douglas from Falling Down, which is weird. I was like, was that Falling Down later? I think that was early 90s. Hmm. Not that early. Also, that was Michael Douglas, not Kirk Douglas. Oh, see, I get them confused. Oh, yeah. They're both, from what I hear, they're both douchebags. Yeah, Kirk Douglas, also probably a rapist. Yeah, probably. Or wait, he's de- he's dead now, so I can say he was a rapist. Definitely a rapist. <laughs> like I saw a Natalie uh, Wood biography, and it's like we cannot name the rapist, but she was definitely, you know, somebody definitely did something. And it's just like a shot of the Kirk Douglas figure theater in Culver City. I'm like, oh, subtle, subtle. But yes, uh, a handy legal loophole to know: you cannot slander the dead. So you can say Kirk Douglas was a rapist all day long. um all right so let's see oh uh so yeah right after we get that gandhi 2 uh little uh scene jeremy says like if if ghost chasers 3 is a success jay can then use that you know to make the kind of movies he wants to make like the kinds that win awards and we get this awesome little fantasy sequence (laughs) and as i accept this oscar there is one issue i cannot remain silent upon Independence for Quebec. Vive Je Sherman! Vive Quebec! 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 Free Quebec! Yeah, which leads to Jay saying, Vive Je Sherman! Vive Quebec! Like another. Like anytime Jay just goes on a flight of fancy, it's one of my favorite things of this show. It's nice to see hope. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, like Jay has various things. Like his imagination is very childlike, very, very wholesome in a way. 
Yeah. But his stomach is always like the like is like the oh. sensual part of him. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. That's that would be is, his. Would that be his id? If I understand I so. uh, Freud correctly. Yeah. I don't understand Freud correctly, and I think that's correct. Okay. Cool. <laughs> yeah, let's just go with that. Uh, so Jay uh, decides he is going to write Ghost Chasers 3. Oh, yeah. Well, like kind of the, the final thing that uh, convinces him is that he gets a, a chair with his name on it, uh, courtesy <laughs> of uh, Gary Grossman, I guess. Though then the, the sticker peels off and we see that it is actually the chair previously belonged to Andrew Dice Clay. Kind of just explaining the adventures of Ford Fairlane pretty easily. Oh, I've not seen that. Don't see it. Okay. Do not see it. Well, I, I have seen, unfortunately, uh, Brain Smasher, a love story, which is uh, another very weird film starring Andrew Dice Clay. I saw Casual Sex with Victoria Johnson, Victoria Jackson from SNL, Leah oh, Thompson, my. and her love interest is Andrew Dice Clay for no Ugh. reason. Wow. It, and it's called casual sex, so it's it's everything you don't want it to be. Yikes. <laughs> oh, man. All right. Well, that uh, brings us into act two now. Um, so Jay is back at, qual- what is it called? Quality Pictures? I keep Quality forgetting it because it's, it's just so generic of a name. So, yeah, he has his own office now, which is kind of cool. He, uh, he's got an office full of secretaries and people office, working for him. Also formerly Andrew Dice Clay's. Right. Of course. His, yeah. His name falls off the door and we, or, or wait, no. Does it just say Andrew Dice Clay? No, I no. He closes forget. the door and his name gently okay, glides yeah. down, echoing the chair bit. Okay. Yeah. They just, yeah. They repeat themselves, I guess. But, mm-hmm. um, so. Instant so, yeah. callbacks are the best callbacks. I got too much shit to do to wait for that callback <laughs> at the end. Oh, absolutely. Um, so we meet just briefly the people working for him. Cappuccino, Mr. S? I was here at 8 a.m. shaving the cinnamon. Listen, Chaz, we are going to work hard and make a good sequel for once. So if you look and learn, maybe you won't spend the rest of your life shaving cinnamon. Yes, I will. I used to be vanilla ice. No, Robert Van Winkle's vanilla ice. I, I don't know. know who this Chaz guy is. That bothered me. That bothered me. <laughs> Well, yeah, I guess this was during that time when, you know, Vanilla Ice wasn't famous anymore. So no one probably even bothered to, like, look up what his actual name was. I had a Scholastic biography of Vanilla Ice. Oh, so my God. I knew. I knew. <laughs> I think I had a Scholastic biography of Macaulay Culkin. Oh, wow. What yeah. a that holds up. I, slight tangent. Uh, my first Christmas here, my grandmother sent me a little care package and included books and stuff. And one of them included a biography on Barbara Streisand, pre-Yentl. Whoa. Like, Yentl was coming up, so, like, they put out this book to, like, kind of, like, ooh, it's Barbara Streisand, guys. And I said, we don't know if Yentl's going to be a success, but one thing's for sure, she's a pretty talented gal. And it's like, <laughs> all right. All right. Was she mostly known as a singer then or? Yeah. Yeah. She was, you know, she did. She, she was an Academy Award winner many times over because of a uh, stars born and funny girl, but it wasn't her. It was pre Yentl. I don't, I, mm. I don't know how to describe it. It's like, I feel like there is a pre Yentl Barbara Streisand and a post Yentl Barbara Streisand and they're very <laughs> different. Okay. I'll have to take your word for it. I, I'm really not up on the, uh, 
Barbara Streisand's like body of work. Nor do you need to be. All you need to know is that in the Hands Across America from 1986, everybody's shown with their hands across America except for Barbara Streisand, who's shown in her Malibu Casa, <laughs> just filmed all by herself. Provide showing everybody thought she was a snob at the time, but now look where look where we are now. She's a hero. <laughs> that I guess kind of does line up with what I know about Barbara Streisand. Yeah. I was actually going to ask if you've seen uh, Vanilla Ice's movie, Cool as Ice. No, but I was in a sketch about it. Okay. <laughs> that, that follows. And I did see Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 2, so. Oh, yes. Classic. classic. Go Ninja, go Ninja, go Ninja, go. Yep, the Ninja rap. I'll just throw out one more funny fact about Vanilla Ice, because the Ninja <laughs> rap actually reminded me of it. Uh, at some point, uh, Rob Van Winkle uh, became a juggalo. No. And yes. So you and you might know uh, juggalos sometimes refer to each other as ninjas. No, I don't know that with a juggalo on Night Church. Oh wait, who's the juggalo on Night Church? Uh, Dane is a huge, huge. Oh I see. We have so many sketches that go over my head, and I'm like, you know what? It made me laugh. I don't care. Let's do it. So, yeah, I mean, like, ninja is just, like, a part of um, juggalo vocabulary. Mm -hmm. uh, so, Rob Van Winkle recorded Ninja Rap 2, which is about being a juggalo. Holy, holy. All right, I'm going to, I got to make this aware tonight, church, because when we come back, <laughs> oh, man. oh, it's going to be an insane clown posse. <laughs> if Dane doesn't know that, then... You know, that's, I, I'm ashamed because we did the vanilla ice sketch recently, which is just about how you pitch them. Like, um, what is that tagline? Um, it's like, I don't know. It's, it's wait, so stupid. The tagline to the movie? Yeah, it's like, oh, um, it's something like, um, how do you melt a heart of stone? Just add ice. Yeah, something, like something that. very stupid and insane. It's somehow worse than that. What I just yes. said. My job was to reject everything. <laughs> <laughs> to see if there's gotta be there's gotta be a tagline better than that and we came up with like i guess like 200 of them we oh whittled it down to like the top 20 <laughs> wow yeah yeah great sketch can't i can't wait for that to come out live anyway oh yeah anyway. <laughs> right where were we vanilla um, ice um, okay so right so after this uh jay meets with a team of agents because i guess yeah if you pitbull yeah. Yeah. They like they say that there were two separate organizations that merged. Mm -hmm. So now their acronym spells out pit bulls. Yeah. So like, yeah, a slam on L.A. agents. I, <laughs> you know, how did that not My play elite. to the Midwest? You know, who knows what an agent is? I mean, up until like the agent nine, I just thought all sitcoms were performed on my local affiliate. Michael J. Fox absolutely was in Family Ties right up there in Boise, and they performed it live, right? Oh, yeah. Sure, yeah. totally. My only note for this scene is, people in Hollywood this dumb? Yes. Oh, absolutely. And, yeah. Um, guaranteed, yeah, there are people in Hollywood who are probably even, like, dumber and know less or care less about making movies good They're than called the people you multi-millionaires. Uh, yeah. <laughs> oh, we get this funny little scene where they're just, I guess, making fun of California. Like, uh, like when a, an earthquake hits. Oh my God, is this an earthquake? What the H? 
and uh, <laughs> the Hollywood sign kind of crumbles. And the guy <laughs> what says, the H? what the H? <laughs> yeah. Right before the H crushes his house, which is like such a dumb visual gag. But I love it so much. It's, it's good. It's a solid gag. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, then back at the office, Jay ha- is already helping himself to the emergency pudding <laughs> beneath the table. And he's really going at it. All that says to me is that somebody in HR really cares. And it's the fourth <laughs> site to install emergency pudding. And my current uh, day job, we, we have a little we have a little emergency supplies kit. There's a candle, a little bit of rations and stuff just in case something happens. I'm like, this is very thoughtful, except for now it's expired and I need a new one. Mm. <laughs> that that tangent that's my tangent all right <laughs> all right um cool so after that scene at the agent's office jay then meets with uh i guess they're like executives like studio executives um about writing the script now is there anything you feel could be improved from the first two films Ghost Chaser underpants didn't sell as well in Mexico as we hoped maybe you could have the black guy's pants fall down in Tijuana I understand. This is it's kind of making the same joke as the previous scene. We're just kind of really satirizing like corporate Hollywood types because they're talking yeah. about all the ways that the last Ghost Chasers film didn't make money. Oh, yeah. I mean, like the Italian translation. Yes, that's my favorite part of this scene, actually, because the yeah, Ghost Chasers got translated to your mother has a hairy back. So we see the the Italians riot. And my favorite thing is they use the statue of Michelangelo's David as a battering ram. Yes. But you got to use what's <laughs> around you. Oh, God, that's the best. Uh, so many great visual gags all over this show. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. So then Jay meets again with Gary Grossman, who... <laughs> Like, he's talking about the different product placement that he's already lined up for the film. Oh, God. A battery company just paid us $2 million to put their product in your film. You should know we're constructing a 50-foot battery with the voice of Pat Morita. I'm not going to put that in. All right, no battery, no Pat Morita. But how do you feel about Patty LaBelle and baby wipes? Ooh, I love baby wipes. Come in handy, you know, because I'm in a car all the time and I tend to chafe. So, Jay gets fed up with that sort of thing. He says he wants to meet with someone creative, so... He gets set up with a bunch of directors. So we get very quick, like, celebrity impressions of Jay meeting with these different directors. I see the ghost of John F. Kennedy saying, open the files, open the files. I also see the ghost of Jim Morrison saying, come on, baby, open the files. I think one of the ghost chasers should be a woman. Uh, she should be strong, intelligent, uh, someone like, uh, oh, I don't know, my, my daughter, Sophia. Your first problem is you got a white ghost. How come there never any black ghosts? Chill out, brother man. I share your pain. I played Othello in high school. Oh, Desdemone, thy handkerchief betrays thee. I haven't been so disgusted since Kenny G played Malcolm X. Who, none of them are named. Again, you just have to know, you just have to have movie knowledge to identify yeah. these guys. But they're uh, Oliver Stone, Francis Ford Coppola, and Spike Lee. I think that's a little racist. I'm sorry. Just because he's black, Brian. Yeah, he's black and he's an angry black man. And that's like his whole character. Who's a film director? You know how many of those are in Hollywood? Uh, I could probably count them on one hand. (laughs) 
<laughs> and it's so unfortunate that you lost your pinky back there a few years ago <laughs> in that tragic motorcycle accident. That just makes this whole joke sadder. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I will say this, uh, Francis Ford Coppola and Spike Lee both kind of prophesize the future. Like not like Coppola saying we need a female ghostbuster. Yes. And his pitch was terrible. And I guess I, I haven't seen the reboot because everybody just made such a big deal. I've been like, I can't watch it because any opinion I have is going to be attacked. Yeah. So I'm not brave enough to watch their Ghostbusters. Yeah. So, yeah, th- this episode kind of prophetic in that there was a third Ghostbusters movie. Also, Spike Lee is like, why can't the ghost be black? Later on, black Klansmen. Why can't a Klansman be black? <laughs> Well, that was also based on a true story. True. Um, but yeah. But that just shows you Spike Lee is a forward thinker. Definitely. Why can't it be black? He <laughs> made a Klansman black. Anything is possible, people. And then, oh, yeah, I was just going to say about the the pitch for a female Ghostbuster. Yes, prophetic. Also based on um, Godfather Part 3, which yeah. in which he cast Sofia Coppola, and she was, her part was famously you know, trashed by critics because, you know, Sofia Coppola, not an actress. She's a also a film director in her own right. A, a pretty good one. Yeah. I, I didn't enjoy Marie Antoinette, so I can't give her full kudos. I'm sorry. Uh, haven't seen that, but I've seen Virgin Suicides. That's a really good movie. All right. That's good. And uh, Lost in Translation. Very good movie. Lost in Translation is great. Uh, Somewhere I really liked. Mm, haven't seen that. Oh, it's great. Also very, I guess, kind of L.A. centric because it's about an actor who's living at Chateau Marmont. Oh, yeah. I heard that was amazing. Uh, Yeah. Really good, though. Um, Yeah. Also, I could probably count the number of working female directors on one hand. True. True. They could probably share the hand with all the black directors. (laughs) Why they got to share a hand, Brian? Why do they have to share a hand? (laughs) Look, it's not my fault. If If it was up to me, I would I would. You would have 10 hands hands so you can fit them all in your perfect world. I would be like Goro from uh, uh, Mortal Kombat. Yes. (laughs) That character was so dumb. (laughs) Hell yeah. (laughs) He got beat by Johnny Cage. Well, yeah, who fought dirty, punched him right in the nuts. With a split. It was it was a hot yeah. moment. It was like a coming of age moment for me. It's like there's David Bowie in Labyrinth. There's Johnny Cage doing the splits and punching Goro in the nuts. Those are two seminal moments in my childhood. <laughs> uh, I, I don't know if you ever saw the uh, Mortal Kombat sequel, Mortal Kombat no, Annihilation. I refused. No Linda Nashby, no me. Yes. Also, well, also a wise decision just because it's a horrible movie, but also... For no reason, Johnny Cash or uh, Johnny Cage. <laughs> whoops. Two very different people. Um, Johnny Cage dies like in the first scene. Stupid. No. Yeah. No, I got so mad with them. I was like, no, 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 no. Yeah. Uh, right. Tangents. Uh, where were we? Yeah, I got to stop um, the tangents because I'm so, so hungry. <laughs> oh, God. We've yeah. been recording for almost an hour already. Yeah, uh, we have. This all right. is all my fault. <laughs> no, don't worry about it. This is all gold. Um, all right. So after Jay meets with, uh, that trio of directors, Jeremy kind of takes it on himself to help Jay feel better about writing the script. And Mm -hmm. this is where we kind of get just a long, uh, divergence from the plot. Like it kind of stops dead for a while because Jay, like Jeremy takes Jay to a stylist 
El Tupe. Well, any any film in, done in Hollywood, you need a montage of Hollywood where nothing is even remotely close to one another. Sure. You know what? Yeah, we could take it as this is actually a meta commentary on Hollywood films that constantly pad their running time. Yeah, that's what Freud would say. And we yeah. know how much I know about Freud. <laughs> Nothing. Yeah. So, yeah, we go to the stylist, El Tupe, which is kind of another funny one-off character. Who's like Jose Hebert. He's a pastiche of Jose Hebert. Oh, wait, who's that? He was a very famous hairstylist who wore a big cowboy hat and had long, beautiful hair. Oh, God. Okay. I had no idea. You're welcome, Brian. Nice. Yeah. I Not even I get every reference in this show. It's okay. <laughs> uh, so then there's a uh, montage of Jay trying on a bunch of new suits. Including a Bob's Big Boy, which looks great. <laughs> yeah, he should definitely rock that look more often. More people should. I. What's there not to love about a checkered overall? Right? It, it could almost function as a ska outfit. <laughs> and then uh, Marty uh, comes to uh, uh, join Jay in Hollywood. So uh, they so Jay comes to pick up Marty and like they both put on sunglasses like, oh, yeah, let's go, you know, cruise around town. And Jay's riding a Porsche. So it's yes. not like he's like he's in a schlumobile. He's driving a Porsche. He's he's, you know, succumbing to the the allure of L.A. He's becoming an L.A. phony. It's just like in the big picture of Kevin Bacon. I drive a Porsche now. Yeah. <laughs> and Marty later, like, even calls him out on being an L.A. phony. So this is totally oh. meta oh, that's commentary. One, that's my favorite. That. That, that's the heart of this whole episode for me. But uh, this yeah. comes upon my favorite joke in this show and my favorite later call back. Oh, yes. Jay basically gets clowned on by the elephant man. <laughs> Sean fucking Merrick. Check out the geek in the Porsche. <laughs> and he gave a Thunderbird, classic T-Bird with a whole bunch yes. of hot chicks. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, Which is the best LA commentary I can say. It's like, it doesn't fucking matter. As long <laughs> as you have a great car. You're going to be fine. Oh, yeah. Even if you're the freaking elephant man. So then, yeah. So Jay and Marty are kind of driving around Hollywood for a while. That's where we get the Rod Steiger scene. Mm. The Hollywood and Vine scene. Yeah. The problematic portrayal of uh, I don't know if it's supposed to be like a trans person or just a, a crossdresser. Son, this is it. The famous corner of Hollywood and Vine. Hollywood's next young starlet could be walking by right now. Hey, pal, for 10 bucks, I'll let you watch me stand over a steam vent. It, well, I mean, you remember Hollywood back, like, even, like, when I first came in, like, around 2000, I'm like, that's how it was. It was not Hollywood and Highland for a very long time. And, like, even, like, by the Pack Theater, it's like... Oh, yeah. That's where people went to go get a foot job, which I am sad to know why what that is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sadly, I know what that is, too. I think because of the Internet. Yeah. But uh, but yeah, Hollywood and Vine definitely used to be like a really bad area. Of course, it's it's totally changed now. I mean, for the most part. like I mean, it's still creepy as fuck. Yeah, I still. But it just has this like plastic neon velour. It's like it's safe because there's a Forever 21 here now. Yeah, I still right. don't like to. 
be there after dark though. It no. just gives off the wrong That was vibe. the worst part about IO. It was like, I want to go to Scooby's to oh, get a really good God. hot dog, but I'm here. So, okay, let me walk too far and get really scared and walk all the way back. But goddamn, that was a good hot dog. Yeah. Uh, I usually went to the, there's like a little pizzeria a block away that uh, was pretty good mm. too. <laughs> Uh, but also like I bring up this scene just because this show definitely has a record of, you know, not being great when it comes to, you know, making jokes about, uh, trans folks. There have definitely yeah. been some problematic jokes in previous episodes about that. There's still problems and gifts today. There was like, I saw one today about like guy humping up on another man who doesn't, didn't realize he was a man because he had long hair from the back. And I'm like, all right. Mm. Men thinking women, men thinking men are actually women will never not be funny to men. I mean, if you look at America's, uh, the American Film Institute's top 100 uh, comedies from like the year 2000, uh in the top 10, three films about men in drag. Wait, so it's Tootsie, Some Like It Hot, and what's the third one? This is Doubtfire. Oh, of course. (laughs) I'm like, really? This is what we think is the funniest thing on earth? This? All right. All right. I can. It's like the same amount of female directors and black directors we've mentioned today on your four fingered hand. Yep. (laughs) You still got it. You still got it. You still got your ring finger to spare. All right. Yeah. I mean, what is it about cross dressing that is so universally praised? I, I don't know. <laughs> God, it's like some caveman millions of years ago came up with that joke, and if he traveled today, it's like joke still endures. Yes, <laughs> you may yeah. have created fire, but I created that joke, loser. <laughs> yeah, what's real, and what what has really been the the better invention throughout the history of of mankind? Oh, definitely straight men dressing up as women. Oh yeah, come on, definitely fire can go fuck itself. Yeah, fire burnt down uh, my cousin's house once. Uh, yeah, and in the words of Phil Hartman, fire bad. Fire indeed bad. <laughs> uh, oh yeah, so at the at the end of this kind of long montage of, of Jay and Marty clowning around Hollywood, that's when Marty basically calls out Jay for being an L.A. phony. After, and- talk, after Jay talks on his cell phone saying nothing because it makes him look like he's doing something, I'm like, oh, fuck, <laughs> this is relevant today. Oh, like yeah. how many of us just take out our phone because like we don't want to actually talk to anybody else in the room and forge a connection with somebody because it because like for sure they think you're an asshole. So I'm gonna go on my phone, pretend to be busy until my battery runs out. I'm still gonna play on my phone, <laughs> but it makes me feel like somebody. Yeah. Oh, and specifically people will do that in Hollywood when they're in their cars, because yeah, they <sighs> want to look like they're, you know, on the phone with someone important or something. Oh, yeah. Let me turn up my stereo, too, as I take the call so everybody (laughs) outside my car can hear it. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, But Jay recommits himself to the project. uh, And then that's when he kind of bonks himself on uh, on a freeway sign and gets clowned on by the elephant man again. Yes. Ow. What a loser. Right. Girls. (laughs) Girls. <laughs> oh, elephant. <laughs> Deservedly. Because, you know, the elephant man is not writing no script. No. <laughs> um, I mean, he might be because he comes off so well in it. Like, he gets the upper hand in both of his scenes. 
Probably. I, I mean, let's face it. Writers, writers don't make a lot of money. So he's doing something else. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Does that bring us into act? Yeah. So that brings us into act yeah. three. So Jay is back at his studio, finally writing the dang script. Um, and he gets this like surge of inspiration where he's just writing like crazy. And he's like wondering what creative hand is like guiding him. And then mm-hmm. we see it's Naturally. the devil. It's as if some divine hand were inspiring me. Excellent. Another sequel on the way. <laughs> Sir, the cast of Wings wants to know if they can stay on the air another year. Tell them there are limits to even my power. <laughs> That's right. Hail Satan. That's Night Church, the fifth, the fourth Sunday at the Pack yeah. Theater when we all return. Hell yeah. Feel Night Church. On all platforms. Sorry. Indeed. Um, I, I miss plugging myself so much. I think that's what I miss most about quarantine. Oh, well, I'm, I'm glad I could, you know, give you this outlet for that. Ah, oh, bless. <laughs> Did we gloss over the police chase already? No, we're not there yet. Oh, thank God. Thank God. Yeah, we're yeah, we're almost there because yes. we are. Uh, so the next day, uh, I guess Jay basically banged out the entire script in a night, which, mm-hmm. you know been there always a good sign always a good sign <laughs> so, uh so he hands it in to uh gary grossman who just kind of excuses himself to go read it <laughs> and then ultimately he just tries to sneak out of the building without giving jay feedback on it which oh we've all been there oh yeah <laughs> yeah we talked about how hard yeah. it is to get feedback on a script uh <laughs> even if it's a script that's been commissioned. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. So, so yeah. So Gary tries to sneak out. Um, and then, yeah, that leads to this very kind of typical Hollywood car chase. Like you definitely sense the, the meta commentary here. Oh yeah. And what I, what I love most, and I have this recurring joke with my partner is that in North Hollywood right now, or pretty much anywhere in LA, except for Burbank and Glendale, probably. Uh, if if you're doing anything illegal in the street, you're fine. You pass a cop car and like you guys are speeding, you're running a red light. Nobody fucking cares. But you have your tags expired. On comes the light. Oh yeah. Uh, they don't do that joke here because it's just a gentleman driving while black at the speed limit, and then all hell breaks loose. Attention! I spotted a black man in a Mercedes obeying the speed limit. Bring him down. Back up on the way. <laughs> We've had these problems forever. Yeah, there's a lot of things on the critic that haven't aged well. This this joke, unfortunately, is still very relevant. Yeah, it's fresh. It's still <clears throat> fresh. Yep. And it doesn't even need to be like, I think they're trying to make it maybe like an L.A. specific joke, but it, it doesn't no. even need to be. No. Yeah. No. That's actually something that some folks in Missouri can feel. Oh, yeah. Yep, that was a bad choice of state. Oh, because Missouri, that's where Ferguson is, right? Yeah. Yeah. Wait. Yeah. <laughs> Nailed it. <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, so at the end of this chase, uh, it ends the way a typical Hollywood chase would with one car flipping over. And so, yeah, Gary is just forced to, like, you know, come clean and say that he hated Jay's script. And Jay just refuses to to 
comprehend negative feedback. He's constantly like... Oh, did like, you mean? No. Now, what did you think of my script? It was excrement. Did you say it was excellent? It was crummy. Did you say it was yummy? It was an awful piece of junk that made me want to puke all night. Did you say it was an awesome piece of spunk that you want to shoot tonight? It was a bilious piece of dirt that made me cry out in pain. Did you say it was a brilliant piece of work and you'll fly me out to Spain where we'll meet King Juan Carlos and drink sangria all night? You piece of luck. Yeah. <laughs> Been there. Been there. Oh, totally. It's like, no, I... Uh, this is good. You can't tell me different. It's like some people's egos just cannot get it through their head. You're you're not that talented. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> um, but yeah, we just sort of the we go to uh, the scene can just kind of ends on on that note of mm-hmm. Jay not taking the feedback. Uh, so the next day back at uh, Quality Pictures. Uh, Jay has been assigned a new parking spot based on his on the reaction to his script. Um, and I, I've actually been here, like having to drive to the top yeah. of a very large parking structure at a, a studio, mm-hmm. uh, never got quite so high that, uh, I was like, you know, being picked up by a, a space satellite though. No, well, that means you're doing good, Brian. <laughs> you're doing good. Yeah. Um, I don't, I don't suppose, have you ever done the, uh, CBS sketch diversity showcase? Uh, you know, I applied one year and they never got back to me. And then I'm like, well, I think I budged, dodged a bullet. And <laughs> I think I did. I think I did. I mean, I hear it's better now, but yeah, when I did it, it was, it was just, yeah, a ton of work for two extremely problematic people, neither of <laughs> which are, you know, part of the showcase anymore, but yeah. Mm. Uh, at the time, they were your gatekeepers to even the tiniest glimpse of success, getting a two-minute sketch into a free show that is performed like five times and then never again. Um, but uh, yeah, I remember like, yeah, I was oh, in... Also, I have to not have a full-time job while I do this? Ooh, sign me up. Oh yeah, because it is uh, weekdays from two to five on the CBS lot. So yeah, <laughs> Um, but yeah, I remember like, so I was a a writer on the showcase. So, uh, when we reached that point where it was like, okay, pitching over, we are now choosing what goes into the show and we are going to the theater to start rehearsing those. Like, so none of my sketches got in, of course, uh, cause they were, cause they were too good. Of course. (laughs) Uh, but anyway, so Are you sure that's what they said or... Were you just misremembering, like Jay? No, I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure that's what they said. I, I remember it pretty pretty succinctly. <laughs> yeah, they said it like three different ways. Oh, that's the worst. <laughs> but after that point, where it was like none of my sketches got in, it was like they wouldn't even return my emails anymore. Because mm, yeah. you were too good. Yeah, so that's my yeah my little brush with what it's like to be a, a writer in Hollywood. Yeah. <laughs> um. Anyway, perhaps I should have paid more attention to this show when it was on and and absorbed more of its lessons. No, no, you just felt prepared. You just felt more yeah. prepared. I'm like, I, I'm just gonna <laughs> drive down the road, and I'll be there. Yeah. Yeah. So now that uh, Jay's script has been uh, universally reviled. He is kind of 
Yeah, he's got this shitty parking spot. He has lost his office. It is now going to be Ted or Tom Cruise's bathroom. Ted Cruise's bathroom. <laughs> I almost said Ted Cruise. <laughs> that would be weird. See, look what else the critic predicted. <laughs> yeah, sort of. Well, Chaz, you've been a very loyal assistant. I hope you land on your feet. Tom Cruise's bathroom. This is Chaz, vice president in charge of flushing. He'll do fine. Yes. What a prestigious title. Then, oh, I would take it in a heartbeat. Yeah. We all would be. <laughs> it would probably go to a young, fit, handsome young man. Right. Yep. Typecast. <laughs> uh, so that is kind of the note on which Jay leaves Hollywood. He's like, you know, I'm done with this. I'm going home. And then we just cut to like the next episode of Jay's show. He is reviewing Ghost Chasers 3. Mm-hmm. And the review that he gives it is so bad, he gets arrested. Our first film is Ghost Chasers 3. I helped write this picture, but believe me when I say this is the worst movie ever made. Attention, L.A. street gangs. Why kill each other when there are more deserving movie executives just miles from your home? Their addresses are... Viewer advisory. The rest of this review contains incitements to violence, foul language, rubber novelty poop, and brief nudity. It reminds me of a few of the meltdowns I've heard about going on on Twitch. So I found that also very current. I've not been privy to any of these. Well, you got to get in the back channel and find out the goss. Oh, man, I don't even like pack theater goss, so. Oh, but this stuff is fun. <laughs> this is people melting down on camera. Oh, shit. Okay, yeah. that, that takes it to a whole nother level. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I if you do it in public, I'm like, I'm fascinated. I don't care about who does what, but I care about who thinks they can do what in public. That That fascinates mm. me. Yeah, no, public meltdowns can be great. Yeah. So I'll, yeah, I'll have like to look Jay's. into those. Yes. Um, so. Who is naked and in a blanket by the end of it. Yeah, I guess he just got that worked up that he took all his clothes off. And yeah, he ends up in a prison and uh, we get, I, I think another sort of problematic joke where yeah. like Jay gets hit on by his cellmate, like... But then again, at the end, we all it shows that everybody's been taking fertility drugs and is pregnant in the prison system. All the male prisoners. So Uh, it evens up that, too. And so, yeah, even after Jay is in prison, when he goes to movie night, of course, movie night is what else? Ghost Chasers 3. Oh, my God. Save yourselves. New York is being destroyed by an 80 foot Ed Koch. How am I doing? How am I doing? How am I doing? Don't be scared. I'm just looking for a nosh. And I actually like the scene that they show from it. It's pretty hilarious with uh, New York <laughs> being attacked Koch. by a giant Ed Koch. Ed Koch. Yeah. Which I definitely did not get as a kid because I had no, no idea who Ed Koch is. I still really don't. Uh, I guess he's he was mayor of, of New York City at one point. Yeah. Well, I was an avid fan of Saturday Night Live throughout the 80s, so I kind of I, I understood the reference. Oh. Because watching SNL in the 80s, it's it's like living in New York in the 80s, almost, except mm. you don't have to, like, live there. <laughs> Did uh, one of the cast members play Ed Koch? I, he was referenced a lot, and I seem to recall that Ed Koch actually hosted an episode, like, before okay. the uh, Renaissance. 
I mean, that follows. D- didn't like Rudy Giuliani host once? Yeah, and he wasn't too bad. Okay. I mean, he was still a goober, but. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> so at movie night, uh, yeah, all of the prisoners hate uh, Ghost Chasers 3, and Jay kind of takes solace in that. Like he Take feels- solace. <laughs> Not the note that maybe he has anger problems. Solace. <laughs> no, yeah, he feels like he's right because everyone agrees with him. And then, oh, yeah, so he he gets hit on again by his uh, cellmate. And uh, that's what we go out on. Jay says yeah. that's the best date he's ever had. Yeah. <laughs> and, of course, the series continues and he still has his job despite all that because, you know what? I mean, Jay Sherman may not be a Hollywood writer, but he is part of the entertainment industry. Oh, yeah. You know, the regular rules don't apply to uh, people in the entertainment industry. I mean, look how uh, look how long it took, uh, you know, uh, Harvey Weinstein to get what was coming to him. COVID. Oh, was that confirmed? Did he get COVID? Um, I don't know. I I didn't care. I was like, all right. Well, I don't. I know he got 23 years and like he showed up to court using a like a walker yeah so he's definitely not doing well unless that was like a sympathy act I, I don't know um ptsd and anger can do weird things to your body mm. so i little column a little column b i think it's mostly mental yeah i mean have you ever told a man that he's not invincible after believing for so long that he is invincible that's traumatic yeah you know what i've, I've not had that opportunity but i can see how that would be a rather big blow to one's ego. That's why I never say it to you, Brian. Oh. I'll never say it. And that's why I like you, Eve. Oh. <laughs> uh, so that takes us into the credits, and then we just get the the ending gag of uh, the usher coming in, and Jay says, get away, zit face. Oh, my God. How late were they in the writer's room for that one? Right? Especially because they've recycled that one now. Yeah. So yeah. we're episode nine, just just recycle. <laughs> we can't come up with new one-liner jokes. What are we, paid Hollywood writers? Exactly. I mean, come on. It's not like they're paid that well. They don't need to give that much effort. We came up with over 300 taglines <laughs> for Cool As Ice. Oh, my not God. Not one of them was shut up, sit face. <laughs> Maybe we should have came up with that. Hmm. Wait, yeah, real, real quick, I'm just going to look up the actual tagline to Cool Thank as Ice. Thank you. Because even when we did the sketch, we couldn't memorize that because it was so bad. It's <laughs> like it, it just erased from our memories. We had to have it on the screen so we could read it. And I know it was similar to what I said before, but here, let me find it. Okay. <laughs> when a girl has a heart of stone, there's only one way to melt it. Just add ice. Just add ice. Yeah. None of that make it's like three parts of three different taglines. Yeah, yeah. There's definitely like a lot of different ideas going on in there. Wow. Like you don't melt something by adding ice. That's pretty ridiculous. Uh Idaho scientists would tell you different. So <laughs> that's been the well, most depressing part of this whole quarantine is reading Idaho's interpretation of science. Uh, well, if I ever need uh, thoughts on the best way to grow a potato, perhaps I'll hit them up. Shoot, we export all the potatoes to Washington and the rest of the world. We import Washington potatoes in Idaho. We don't even eat Idaho potatoes. Oh, my God. 
Yeah. Scandalous. It's a lie. <laughs> anyway. All right. Well, <laughs> I'm ending the show for you, Brian. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, that brings us to the end of this episode. Uh, Eve, I want to thank you so much for, you know, going on this journey with me through uh, the critic. Thank you for going on this journey with me, Brian. This has been a tangential joy. Oh, absolutely. So, yeah, uh, I guess we've kind of mentioned it throughout, but give us give us those plugs one more time. Oh, yeah, I am part of Night Church. That's at Hail Night Church on various platforms, on Facebook, on the Twitter, uh, but not the Twitch. I don't know why we're not Hail Night Church on Twitch. We're just Night Church. And since all the theaters in LA are closed, and now if you're out of town, you have no excuse, uh, go to twitch.tv backslash Night Church. We're having actual programming film. We're doing live streams of gameplay. We're doing clip shows. I'm coming up with the Saturday morning cartoon themed shows soon. So uh, if you like how I rag on this animated show, I will be doing it much deeper and in costume. Uh, we're doing a lot of neat stuff on the Twitch, um, which is just backslash Night Church. All other f- mediums, hail Night Church. You can find me at Eve Esquire. No dashes, no dots, just E-V-E Esquire. Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Twitch, because I did it right. I'm not the one who created the Twitch thing. Um, but yeah, look me up. I do weird, awkward, funny stuff. I'm... I'm a leading awkward comedian and one of the few outed asexual comedians out there. I have the raw sexuality of Paddington Bear, guys. Come and get me. (laughs) Oh, and I I also wanted to ask, uh, are you still doing Eight Inches High at all? Yes. Actually, Eight Inches High is um, we're doing it through Night Church now on Mondays at eight. Oh, awesome. Eight Inches at eight. And my next interviewees, um, I'm interviewing all of Night Church, and I'm going to be reaching out to other people and interviewing them. Maybe you're going to be one of them, Brian. Oh, wow. Well, uh, yeah, so definitely check that out. You know, it's going to be a few weeks before this episode drops. So who knows by the time oh, this man. comes out. They're going to have a, a backlog. They're going to have a backlog oh, yeah. of shows. Uh, and Eight Inches High, for those who want to know, it's a live stream talk show, but dolls. It's There's no people. It's just dolls yes that is what the eight inches refers to in case anyone the out there size has a, of the doll very good brian yes. not a lot of people understood that <laughs> just in case anyone has a, a dirty mind and they're thinking something else that's why we don't go eight inches deep we go eight inches high that, that was the it. impetus of that <laughs> title oh awesome well again eve uh thank you so much for being on the show um, thank you yeah so check out hail night church check out eve esquire And we will see you next time on It Stinks, the Critic Podcast. Buy my book! Thank you for listening to this episode of It Stinks, the Critic Podcast. I'm your host, Brian Rubinow. Our theme song is by Brandon Beck. You can email the podcast at itstinkspod at gmail.com and find us on Twitter and Instagram at itstinkspod. 